you've walked into a new team and league taking over a pile of garbage team from some loser that left because of COVID. Hitters are capable, but the pitchers need a big rework. We've got you covered with four different categories of guys on the bump. It's time for dingers. This is dingers, way more than fantasy baseball. We keep it real when we talk and knock it straight out the park. <laughs> Let's see the stats. What's the average draft position? What kind of plays you making? Check the wins above replacement. Check the lineups and the points. This I gotta see. What's your path to victory? Are they aiming for a dynasty? Get points going head to head. Please don't do me no favors. We're always watching waivers. Ain't no minor league. This is major. Yeah, dingers. Let's go. Welcome to Dingers, the only fantasy baseball podcast for smart people. It's not just Dennis Santana that wins you championships. That's why week in and week out, we're delivering tips and strategies to help you live that straight up OG lifestyle. I'm Tyler Childs. Joining me again this evening, Robbie Baseball. Let's kick it, Robbie. We're back for episode number two in our deep dive into what you do when you take over a flaming dumpster. And we covered the positions in our first take here and we're going to dive right into pitchers but before we do let's take it a long time ago someone decided to put stuff in glass bottles in some of these bottles they put juice or milk and that was stupid today only alcohol and a few other products remain in the containers from the gods it's time for beers and bourbon because good advice only comes in a bottle. Or an aluminum can. We should add that in at the end because I keep <laughs> drinking tall boys. Um, for the episode that that will not air, uh, courtesy of a recording air, I, I did once upon a time dive into the uh, bourbon whiskey and now I, I will stick to my tall boys. <laughs> Well, somebody's going to have to finish that bottle. So maybe we'll just have to. Like, maybe... That's exactly what my wife said when I brought it home. And she said, sorry, how much was that? I said, it wasn't that bad, dear. It was 10 bucks off. So the thing was like 40 bucks. Uh, you, like, you, you don't drink it. You started with like a, a full flavor. Like it's a spicy one. Like that's, that's not my favorite bourbon. A lot of people really like it, but it's, it's a tough one for like your first step up in terms of bourbons. And, and again, that's also their entry level. So he's holding a bottle of maker's mark for those of you that I'm are reading it. Our, our bourbon people. It's quietly it's, reading it to myself. <laughs> like their, their 45 isn't bad. Um, but I, I'm not a huge fan of their standard bottle. That's just not my cup of tea. Um, but kudos to you for trying. I mean, yeah. you know, and once we're allowed to have people visit homes again, um, I'm going to give this to friends and family when they come over, I'll, I'm going to push it on them. Yeah, exactly. Would you like something to drink in by that? I mean, here's your bourbon. <laughs> <laughs> the ca- the Captain Morgan Dark Rum. I finished that Mickey off on one of the previous episodes. So, <laughs> Any, anytime your bottle of liquor comes in a plastic bottle, though, I have concerns. Like yeah. very, mu- like that's it's concerning. And like I like, don't even know how old that is. But my, <laughs> when I told my wife that I had it, she just laughed and she's like, "Why on earth?" I'm like, "It was just sitting down there. I I want to do something different." And I I said I. I mixed it with Coke. It was like high school all over again. <laughs> <laughs> so let's let's get into it today, Rob. Uh, we're on to the pitcher side, which I'm super stoked for. Uh, this is this is where 
I like to take advantage of a lot of injuries. And I know you like to take advantage of just everything when it comes to pitching, especially in points formats. So let's just get right into it. We're going to start off and go through uh, the full rotation of guys that uh, are going to make you competitive almost immediately, how you can update or upgrade to a, a potential young prospect, uh, a series of guys that can provide a ton of value, but are definitely not in the stud category. And then ultimately a group of guys that'll be really good if you're building for future years and you just want to flip them. So I'm going to hand it to Robbie. He's going to take you through SP one through SP five and then dive into the bullpen. And he's going to quiz me on which ones I'm going to take and why. And we're really just going to put this to the fire. So Robbie, let's get moving. Absolutely. So SP one, uh, just to quickly clarify, is not necessarily somebody that's going to lead your rotation. This is the middle of the road can help you in all categories guy. Um, you'll see as we go through the different lists, we've got guys who have bigger risks, lower, lower floors, blah, 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 blah. So SP one, um, we're leading it off with Alex Wood and his return to the Dodgers on the team that will get you competitive because he is going to be a starter. Ty and I had a really good discussion after the hitter episode when we were just looking over the pitchers um, about Alex Wood. So I look forward to his thoughts on it. Um, Mitch Keller as the prospect upgrade young player. Uh, this is a guy who that came in last year did not perform well, um, which is exactly what I want. I want somebody who everybody else is kind of leaning against, but you can look at the way the guy pitches. You can look at some of the peripherals. Uh, you can go ahead and make your own stat up that makes him make sense, but somebody definitely to go out and get. Patrick Sandoval, uh, I've been pounding the pavement on him in Dynasty Leagues, looking to get him in places. Um, few people have found out about it uh, that listen to the podcast and have scooped him up on me. In, in other areas, I've been able to get him. But I see Sandoval as the sixth or seventh guy on the Angels depth chart and somebody who succeeded a lot at AA, struggled in AAA, and then moved up to the big leagues because the Angels had a need. I think they're now going to let him sort himself out at AAA when the season does start again, and we'll see him up. Um, this is a guy you can get and sort out without spending a lot on him. And then for your get him to trade him as SP1, it's Mike Fires. Fires um, is a pitcher of value on a very competitive team. You want to fill in your rotation with a guy like Fires. You're certainly not looking to build around him, but it doesn't mean he's hurting you any week you can put him in. So tie of this list, you get one pick. Uh, who are you taking? Who's, who's going on team PED? Yeah. Um, it, you know, if that's the category, I, I don't think well, I can, not related. I know. I don't know that I can pick any of them, but anyway, the, the guys, I'll start with who I'm staying away from. Um, I'm staying away from fires and I'm staying away from wood for sure. They're off my list and we'll get into that in a second. But uh, for me, Mitch Keller, it really comes down to who owns them. Right. So if I'm trying to acquire Mitch Keller, cause there's, there's very few leagues he's going to be, unattached at this point in time because yeah. he's still on the cusp. Um, so for me, Mitch Keller, it really depends on who has him. He'd be my first choice because I think he's undervalued right now. Uh, I don't think he's going to be the SP one that they projected him to be. Like he could be a really nice SP three with the upside of being an SP two. Uh, so he's my first choice, but he it could be hindered by the fact that he's hard to acquire. So I'll say that um, Patrick Sandoval is, is a nice consolation here. Uh, we've talked about him in detail. He's going to get a chance in LA and for good reason. Um, he, he's not going to blow you away, right? But he is going to give you value. And this is, again, and we talk about it a lot. This is where Rob makes his money by grabbing these guys, 
pairing them together, trading them, putting, pulling more assets, and then moving his team up throughout the season. So uh, Sandoval is a guy that I think is the easiest to stomach for me based on the acquisition price and what I think the outcome is. Fires could have a similar acquisition price, but I, I'm just not a believer in his upside for this season. Uh, Alex Wood on the other side uh, might be the best pitcher of the four right now in, in 2020, assuming he stays healthy, but I don't believe he's going to be a, a starter this year. I don't think the Dodgers brought him in. I think he's going to have a really tough time holding off Dustin May and Tony Gonsolin for the, for the rest of this season. The only variables that could keep him in the rotation full year are more than one injury to that rotation. But of the lefties, he's the lefty I like the least in LA. Um, so that's, I think he's just going to be the odd man out. And frankly, that bullpen needs a dominant lefty and, and Wood could be that guy. Yeah, I, I agree in principle with the stance on Wood. There's going to be a lot of volatility. We'll talk about it when we get into another uh, Dodger later on. Exactly like the gauntlet of talent in the Dodger potential rotation. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I really like Sandoval as a long play. I don't like him if you're expecting him to help you win um, at any given point. Uh, the Angels are trying to win right now, so they're certainly not going to push him anywhere. And, you know, they picked up Tehran, Bundy, um, they've got Heaney, they, they've got pitchers. And, and of course with Otani, we're not sure exactly what's going to happen as far as the amount of time. And in a shortened season, all bets are off. And that's why we're not focusing on what could be, uh, until we know for sure from major league baseball as to what's going to happen. We're sticking with year over year, 162 game seasons. Um, and that's where I think Sandoval will really come to shine. So if it, comes out there's a shortened season and he pops up that's not what I'm making this list for I'm making this list for the team that you take over in dynasty which means you're playing for every year we talk about the long game but in dynasty it's year over year and for me Sandoval's a guy I think has a good upside a really low acquisition cost and again 2019 stat line looked brutal so if somebody else owns him he's in their minor slot or whatever last guy on the roster he's going to be easier to acquire probably than anybody else in this list so. uh, agreed and, and he's likely not going to come with a price tag if you're in a contract league as well you probably should have right. a pretty low value that way as well yeah he would not have been um, any he'll probably be whatever your league would have as a rookie status um, for contract. So it could be $500,000 if you're in the type that we play in where it's $208 million caps, or it could be a 50 cent dollar player, depending on what you do for there. So uh, SP two, this is much more of a, to me, high floor than it is high ceiling. And we're starting off with the uh, makes me better right away. Brad Keller of Kansas city you can move really quickly on prospects. I'll go right to justice Sheffield in Seattle. I think there is a um, very clear path for him to be getting starts every fifth day uh, by the end of the next season in Seattle and moving forward and promise to boot with him. Uh, current teammate, somebody that he might be trading off starts with for the next season is Kendall Graveman in Seattle. You're going to pick him up because he's got the lowest acquisition cost. And finally, we've got somebody that you're going to acquire with the idea of trading, and that is Homer Bailey in Minnesota. For me, Ty, Homer Bailey is the ideal trade candidate simply because he's going to come into a loaded-up Minnesota team that also is loaded up with pitchers. And depending on who comes out of the gate strong and who struggles, in a shortened season, they would be losing starts if you're looking to quickly flip them. But regardless, in a full season, 
I don't know that you want Homer Bailey on the mound in September when, when games count for you in fantasy playoffs and Minnesota will actually want. So I think he's a guy that, you know, come your May or June, like when you get into your 60 to 90 game range, that's when you're going to want to look to move a Homer Bailey. So Ty, who, who you got in this? How are you breaking it down? This one's easy for me. And and I'll give you a little bit of the tag here too. And, and you've pushed me into the Brad Keller camp. You were an early fan of Brad Keller. Uh, I was like, who the hell's this guy? And the more I've watched of him, the more I like. And I think five shopping, that's what yeah. it is. I, and I think he's really going to be one of those good value picks that come out of that. And uh, the fastball for me uh, sets up everything. It's a really good fastball. I think he was a little bit um, neglected last year by Kansas City because they were trying to stretch him out and get him into some longer games. And that, I, I don't know the stat off the top of my head, but I would love to go through his starts last year and look at the ERA in the last 15% of his starts. Just yeah, he, he blew up at the end and then they ended up just resting him. So I'll look, um, CBS, the app, I'll give them credit for having it readily available. And I'll just quickly look up Keller uh, while you discuss the others. So this will just yeah. be points points league uh, baseline for Keller. But Well, and, and Kendall Graven's a guy that I've always liked. I, I like... Um, sinker ball guys for depth pieces in rotations. I don't like them at any point to be like Cy Young guys because they're they're not very uh, dominant. Like you don't see a ton of ground ball pitchers win Cy Youngs. It's just not right. as common. Um, they're they're a middle of the road acquisition. So Kendall Graveman could be that guy. A ton of injury history, and that's the part that scares me. So I probably stay away from him. And I'm definitely staying away from Justice Sheffield. I think that's a Tommy John train waiting to happen. Um, and, and I just think it's, it might not happen now. It might not happen for five years. It might not happen for 10. It might be a Chris Sale. Uh, but I feel very strongly about the fact that Justice Sheffield will fi- go under the knife at some point. So that's the one thing I'll say there. And then Homer Bailey, I, I'm 100% in agreement with what you had said, which is get him. He probably is a, a guy that's going to get off to a quick start in the in Minnesota, big ballpark. Minnesota's got lots to bring to the table. Um, and then I really believe you'll want to get rid of him as fast as you can. Yeah, he had a, a brief stretch last year that I think turned a lot of people off. But then when you looked at the end of the season, uh, the, the number and the line was, was good for Homer Bailey and good enough to get himself an MLB contract. Now him and Rich Hill both came in uh, same day, I think, or within a day of each other as free agents. And Minnesota looks to have by season's end, if all are healthy, I think seven legitimate MLB starters. And that's going to, you know, mean that whoever's the best guy is going to be playing and down the stretch, depending on, exactly what's up with baseball homer bailey is not the kind of guy you want to own for multiple years in dynasty at this point in his career i I mean really at any point the last five to seven years in dynasty but um now all those big contracts and everything that he would be in in various leagues those should all be long gone and expired so he's a league minimum type guy yeah so moving on here to oh sorry did you want i sent you the brad keller did you want to discuss that quickly before we left keller yeah, so you're, you're talking points per game. I'm more looking at, like, what I saw in the starts that I watched were really good starts where on a competitive team, he would have been out after six innings but was left out to go pitch seven or eight just to get his innings up. And I watched a couple starts where he went from one earned 
and should have been pulled. And he was left in to just throw an extra 15 to 20 pitches just for development. And the wheels came off. So it'll pay dividends moving forward. But I think statistically, that's something I would love to start paying more attention to is just where ERA fits in their starts, right? So like what what the ERA is per inning kind of thing. I don't know if anybody keeps that stat, but that'd be a really good one for for listeners or anyone to find. So um, I, I saw two or three starts where I watched the exact same scenario unfold with Brad Keller. And, and albeit I didn't watch all of his starts, but just it looked like it was something that should be noticeable. I know Reynaldo Lopez had a couple as well that fell into that category. So uh, just something I've, I pay attention to. Yeah, so I was just throwing out the points because you can just kind of get an idea, but it, it is a little tricky, I guess, because uh, he doesn't have the big fall off that it that actually seemed to occur for him. But he does have one, two, three, four of his final nine weeks of um, either under seven points or negative, of which he had his final start was negative seven plus, and uh, he had another one. So week 13 to week 22. So right before your, your fantasy playoffs started, and then Keller wasn't around. However, he did jump up from 140 innings in 18 of 308 ERA ball to 165. Uh, however, he did also increase his ERA uh, up to 419. Now, as an overall baseball player or pitcher, that's not helping you. That's that's hurting you because he's not big. Uh, the walk percent almost what 10 percent, and strikeout percentage around 17. I think it was. Um, those aren't great numbers, but he's a ground ball pitcher. So if he's putting the ground ball down about 50 percent of the time, and that defense improves for him, uh, this is going to make him a better pitcher. And as you had alluded to, Ty, staying in games later should help him. Uh, but the problem is that when you stick around in games longer in points leagues, if you pick up the loss, you're actually looking like a lot worse pitcher than you actually are in rankings for points leagues, which I'm touching on points because we don't talk specifically about them a lot. I've got it in front of me. Keller is, uh, was ranked 89th last year in, in points leagues formats for pitchers specifically. So that should mean he's easy to acquire. And the rub of that first year, 140 season, 308 ERA, that's now off on all those owners. They're not going to say a bounce back's coming because they don't see him as a high K guy, but you can see him as a guy in a big ballpark that can just get it done for you. Again, we're not looking to find guys that are leading your rotation for years to come. We're putting together a improved roster for you with pieces that can help you build. And I, I see in this list here, um, Keller is the best option for that long term. Well, and I think the other part of it too is I think that bullpen is going to develop over the next year or so. Like you have a whole bunch of reclamation projects. Like you've got uh, the seasoned guys like Kennedy and Barlow and Rosenthal and Holland. Like those are going to be probably important guys in that pen. But the guys that I'm looking at, like Tim Hill has always been a guy that's been hit and miss, like either really good or, or serviceable. But then Stephen Woods Jr. is probably going to get a shot as the Rule 5 pick this year. Um, Tyler Hill was a previous Rule 5 pick also. Fun fact. Tim Hill. Tim Hill, sorry. Um, But anyway, and the other guy, (laughs) the guy that I'm actually most excited about, he could find himself in the rotation outside shot. But if he doesn't, I think could be a very effective reliever. And kudos uh, to Dayton Moore on this pickup is Chance Chance Adams. I think Chance Mm Adams as a reliever could be a really, really nice piece. That's interesting. So, well, there's another guy that's not on a list for us elsewhere, but a name to uh, think about. Now, SP3, um, I'm not going to say what this category is, but Ty, you can tell from looking at it what it is. We'll give the listeners a moment after I've rhymed off the four names. Tell me if you were to sum this category up, 
what it is. You know, you've got performance, you've got um, high case, you've got all these other things with different areas. Um, this is the blank list. So SP3 for us, Matt Shoemaker out of Toronto. He's the guy to pick up right away. He'll have a somewhat low acquisition cost. It should be lower, but I think people for some reason are thinking that the numbers we saw last year are not a, a mirage and that's what he can actually do over a season. But we've got him as the plug and play guy. Um, fully healthy now, was having a regular spring in Toronto. Brent Honeywell, uh, I, I just don't know what to say. Um, <laughs> Honeywell has again been injured while recovering. And the best thing I had seen from the article I read about Honeywell recovering from this latest surgery is that a lot of other really good pitchers who had Tommy John have had to have this as almost like a follow-up surgery. I, whatever, man. The next guy on the list, the guy to pick up uh, that can you know, have, have a lower value and whatever is Rich Hill. Now, if the season would have started on time, Rich Hill's injured. That doesn't mean you don't pick up a player that could be a value to you. Rich Hill's numbers are great. He just doesn't start enough for you. So depending on your format, if your weekly lineups, he certainly is riskier, but if your daily lineups, if you've got extra spots, you're taking over a roster, it's probably full of guys you don't like. Rich Hill would be a guy to go and get. And then we've got the pickup guys. So I, I put two of them in here. It's the only time I did. Uh, you've got Chris Sale and you've got Thor. So no Syndergaard of the Mets. So Ty, um, what is what is this? If you had to sum it up, this is SP3 for this level is? This is the waiting list at the doctor's. <laughs> I was thinking risk reward, but okay, sure. <clears throat> no, it's uh, this is an interesting category. I mean, I'm just going to say it. I, Rob and I could not disagree more on Brent Honeywell. Um, this might be the the definition of how we look at fantasy baseball is, is Brent Honeywell. I am running as fast as I can in the complete opposite direction on Brent Honeywell. But Rob is a believer, and he is just praying that Brent Honeywell comes and wins 18 games one season so he can tell oh. me to screw off. The jersey will go right here if I <laughs> if I get some Honeywell success. It's going right there on the wall. So, so for, for me, that didn't see that, I just pointed to my wall. <laughs> <laughs> so the the guy that I'm going to go with here is Shoemaker. I think um, the stuff is great. I think the shortened season reduces the risk of uh, injury for him, um, as it does for the rest of this group, with the exception of Honeywell. Um, <laughs> but but Shoemaker's a guy that I think people that own him are probably just tired of it. Whereas like Rich Hill's older and if you own Rich Hill and you're a lover of Rich Hill, like Rob, like you're not giving them up because you recognize the short season is maybe the best circumstance for Rich Hill. So I think Rich Hill is going to be harder to acquire than he should be. Um, but, but for me, Shoemaker, I think should be the cheaper of the group here. If you can get your hands on Thor, I don't mind that. If the acquisition price is right, I'm not touching Chris sale just for many reasons, personally, um, I don't like his frame for long-term uh, stability as, as a pitcher with high velocity that relies on that high velocity. Like his career may never be the same after this Tommy John. He could come back and be better. It's entirely possible. Uh, but the frame scares me. I've talked about it in great length. The, the, the rest of his you know, delivery scares me. But Thor at least has the frame. I think worst case for Thor is the bullpen. So I think you reduce your risk there a little bit when it comes to Syndergaard. So that's why I point to him over sale. But for me, it's Shoemaker. And then if not, I'm going to spend some money on Thor. I'm with you on Thor. And I, I put 
Sale and Thor there, just because I know they're both out with Tommy John. Uh, I was going to put BD on it, but I mean, he's an obvious get for me and he's never going to come into value. The guy's an ace. Um, <clears throat> but Chris Sale, like Ty said, we're not sure what's going to happen. Thor, again, I think value is lower on Thor because I think everybody wanted the superstar to come out and it, it hasn't happened. So his value is lower, although people will still give him value. The Tommy John and the fact that people get impatient mean he should be able to be available. He might be on the block in, in some dynasty leagues once things get rolling too. Now, Rich Hill, shortened season or not, Rich Hill's still a good pickup, just like I said, and like you reiterated as well, Ty. The per start, very good pitcher. It's just how many starts you're going to get. Obviously, Honeywell, you know, I'm I'm just throwing spaghetti at the wall and seeing if it's done enough to stick. Um, you know, we we need Honeywell to get some real action to know what's going on. But I still think as his value in prospect world drops, the ability to pick him up for less and end up with a higher output from him, uh, he might start to throw with both hands. I don't know. That's just an idea I have. I haven't been able to reach him via social media. I'm following, uh, what is it, Shane McLannan, uh, uh, the Tampa Bay guy, does a pretty good job on Twitter, trying to let him know, you know, talk to Brent if you can. Um, and then, yeah, Shoemaker. Shoemaker's a good pitcher. He just gets hurt. So if you can pick him up and put him in your lineup, see what he does, if it's short season or not, see what he can do for you, and then make a decision long-term on him. But he's not somebody that's going to come in and have a 7.5 ERA. Uh, that's that's not who he is. So SP4, this is more of the uh, mixed bag of nuts. Uh, you got a, a little a, something a little different with each one. So we've got Josh Lindbaum, who's coming back to Major League Baseball after some time overseas. Um, he was kind of a middling dude and now he's coming back. He's going to start his spring wasn't electric, but it didn't need to be. He just needed to be okay. Uh, this is the only time you're going to hear me talk about the spring as something that's positive. So enjoy that one, Ty. Uh, Justin Dunn from Seattle. <clears throat> I just, I, I didn't mention a Seattle pitcher in the first column and then I didn't mention one in the third. So I had to get another one in. So Justin Dunn, I'm hoping to see some K's, some solid ground balls and some good defense behind him. And again, I'm not counting on Justin Dunn to walk in game one next season. I'm counting on Justin Dunn long-term as a good, reliable pitcher. Uh, on the other side of that, on the, the guys with lower value that can still produce, get Adam Wainwright. If you've, got a, if you've got a roster that's in real bad condition, go get Adam Wainwright. If you have an innings minimum, if you have criteria that need to be met and you're struggling or you have a lot of risk, Adam Wainwright can come in and just you know give you a four-something ERA uh, you know, seven and a half to eight Ks. So he's going to give you stuff. He's not winning you weeks, but he's, he's a good guy for matchups. And if you do have a bunch of these types of older guys, it, they're good to have them to mix and match when one's got on good rolls. Um, you can, you can kind of stream them within your team. If you don't have the ability through your league, you can acquire, you know, try to always have eight legitimate starting pitchers, and then you can rotate those guys as you see fit. And then finally, we've got, uh, Domingo Herman uh, from the Yankees, who's going to miss 80 games. So if we're talking short season, he's not going to be part of it, which is fine. It's dynasty, but he's going to more than likely take up a roster spot for whoever owns him because I don't know of a format, CBS, Fantrax, Yahoo, um, I guess people play ESPN uh, and other areas, uh, NFBC, where you would have him and he's able to be in an injured spot. He's going to be on your roster. So he's taking up an actual roster spot. So in salary leagues, his salary counts against you because he's suspended. He's not injured. So you can't hide from him. But if you are on a team that you're taking over and you're looking towards next year, maybe he's somebody that's going to be able to recover from this. 
um, <clears throat> the suspension. Also, he's got to deal with the, you know, the situation, whether the Yankees bring him back or not. Um, but he's still somebody when you're talking about getting yourself a potential asset, he would be the guy you could get. Uh, pass. <laughs> <laughs> you don't like any of them? No. I, I mean, I, I get, I get not liking, you know, Herman Wainwright, but I like Dunn and Lindbaum. I, I certainly like Lindbaum. I've picked him up in a few leagues um, I, just to see. I, I've, I'm trying to recall um, if it's a curveball or or a, more of a slurve, but Justin Dunn has a phenomenal hook, and that I really like. However, I, I just don't love the periphery of his stuff, and so that's I think he just profiles better as a reliever. I think he's got really crisp stuff, but I think for I the like same, <laughs> but for the same reason, the same reason that. Well, I shouldn't say that. He's got two crisp pitches, right? And we've seen guys like Tyson Ross, who also have two crisp pitches, have blips of success, right? And they're, nobody kind of dumps on them because they're like, oh, well, those are two good pitches. And that's what I feel like we have in Justin Dunn. So I feel like, unlike Tyson Ross, someone's going to do Dunn the service of saying, listen, you're a reliever and get him into the pen early. And I think just it's a matter of time. So... I'm staying away from Dunn unless the acquisition price matches the bullpen value. So for that reason, like I, I'm not a huge Wainwright guy at this point. I was for a long time, mm-hmm. huge fan of what he brought to fantasy baseball. I'm just, I'm not a buyer of Asian import players. Um, that racist. No, nah, you know, it's just, <laughs> it's, it's really not like anybody that well, comes from the Asian Lom's an American who went over and had success and is coming back. We Merrill Kelly is the you know most recent example of that. But but just if you look at the number of players that have come from the Asian leagues and the numbers that actually are real dominant fantasy players, like it's it's slim. Like you've got you obviously have a couple absolute rock stars that have come out of that in Otani and Ichiro and um, Matsui and others. But like the majority of them fall on their face and are very moderately successful, Aoki and other players that have have done it in the recent years, right? So, you know, I I just don't like to buy out of that crop, and that's just my preference because it's too much risk, um, and and that's why. So, uh, Herman is a guy that you know I like, but he was a domestic dispute, right? Not yes, a PED. Was. So if he was a PED eighty game. Absolutely. Yeah, that's more awesome on the roster, but um, <laughs> you know, he's, he's hitting. Yeah. So, so that's just, I, I'm not, I'm not touching him and I'm interested to see how the Yankees react to that on the backside, whether they kind of slowly push him up off into obscurity or whether they welcome him back with open arms. I'm not so sure that that's going to go smooth. And until I know that I'm not willing to buy on German for that reason. So if I'm going, if I'm forced, like if you put a gun to my head and say pick one, I'd probably go with Lindbaum just because he has the highest floor of that group. I think. Okay. Um, and, and if we were in a one year, I'd go with Wainwright. But if we're talking dynasty, I'm going with Lindbaum for that reason. Yeah, and you're you're right on tie. What I was just going to say, which is uh, here's Adam Wainwright's line from 2019: 171 and two thirds innings, 14 wins. My gosh, that's great. 419 ERA. Not killing you, but not great. The whip, 1.43. That's the issue for me with Wainwright. Um, the Ks, he's getting eight Ks per nine, and he had 14 quality starts. But he averaged less than, uh, what was it, 5.1? Yeah, he averaged 5.1 innings per start. So 
he's still doing it, but if that regresses again, then maybe you chop off four wins, you chop off four quality starts on a rebuild roster where you're trying to just establish something. He can be the guy that comes in. And if somebody else has an ACE that goes down, you know, the next sale four goes down in season, you can knock on the door and say, Hey, I've got a serviceable starter, um, depending on what you want back. I mean, in a full season, 12 wins or more out of Wainwright is a victory. So absolutely like like that's, that's kind of the benchmark, right? Like he's worth owning. I just, I don't know that he's going to get that this year. I just, I think this is the last hurrah. um, And and I think this is it for him. So that's why I'm not as excited for a guy that I normally, I I love to go to bat for. And I think that's part of his value as well is that everybody is aware of the fact that, you know, this could be it. So we're in a, I forget how big that league is on Yahoo. We're in a, the podcast wars league. I've mentioned before, I think it's 16 teams. Um, I just quickly checked his stat line using Yahoo and um, he's a free agent in that league. And that league has everybody drafted. So clearly a whole bunch of people are hopping on the high ceiling guys and leaving out the floor types like Wainwright. So um, after we decide uh, who we have made an error on, Wainwright might be the type of guy we pick up. We'll see. So SP five, this is a total mixed bag. Again, this is just what you get. So, um, the plug and play guy, it's Michael Fulmer. Fulmer has not seen live, uh, hitters for a long time, but when spring training restarts, he will. And the expectation is that he'll be back. So whether that is for shortened season or a 2021 full on season, expect him back. Michael Kopech, uh, for the prospect. Yes. Kopech is very highly rated. I completely understand that. Um, but what I'm saying is that he is somebody coming back from injury, and somebody that you can look to invest in. If you take over a team, it's it's really hard to think of taking over a fantasy baseball team that has absolutely nothing. Your team will have assets. You just might not like them. But the industry consensus or guys amongst the league in which you're playing will like certain players. And usually when you join, they're going to attack you with poor offers because that just seems to be the way it goes these days. You join a league and um, you get insulted. But Kopech is somebody to maybe go and look to acquire, see what's out there. Uh, not everybody's going to be in love with him. And he may have recently been traded, you know, this past offseason. So you might have, you know, a shinier tool that might be another year away. If you've got Debbie Garcia, something like that, they might say, oh, I'd prefer that. And, you know, take the chance on Kopech. Jose Suarez, LA Angels. I've mentioned him before. Um, he came up last year, did not start well similar to Patrick Sandoval I I see him and Sandoval like next to each other on the Angels depth chart Um, but Suarez is 23 he's got good stuff it's for me just a matter of opportunity for him and I would like it to be a permanent roster spot that he earns in season versus the potential fifth starter role I'd like him to be in triple a and be pitching well and then move up uh, we saw it with Sandoval last year in LA where they, they needed somebody and they moved him up. Sandoval wasn't doing great at AAA, got moved up. Um, but at AA, he was fine. Whereas with Suarez, he was struggling and still got moved up and then went back down and you know played that carousel. So he needs to be able to stabilize himself because he's got the stuff. And finally, on the get him and trade him, it's Michael Pineda. It's easy to pick on the Minnesota guys because of the number of them. So we're not... I'm saying pick on, I just mean acquire. The values aren't high on Homer Bailey, on Rich Hill, and on Michael Pineda. And if someone's trying to get too much back in trade for him, just walk away because they're not worth it because they haven't done it yet. But we're talking about in-season, things are happening. You pick them up with the purpose of taking them away, or sorry, trading them away for a future asset, whether that to you as a draft pick or if you're in a redraft, um, or if you're looking to pick up somebody who's younger, better contract, whatever it is, for me, my SP5, uh, Fulmer, Kopech, Suarez, and Pineda, I really think Fulmer's probably the 
best guy to get because of what you would give up to get him back and what he could do long-term. But we've talked to him before, Ty. I don't even think he's got 500 MLB innings. So yeah. who on this list are you Are you interested in? I'm with you on Fulmer. Fulmer's the guy. Uh, I think he is so undervalued right now. And whether he pitches in Detroit for a couple of years or whether he finds a home somewhere else, I, I'm a big fan of guys that can deliver an effective 12 to 6. And I think Fulmer does a pretty good job of that. It might be a little bit more of a traditional curve, um, but it definitely has that 12 to six tilt. I, I, I like what I've seen out of him. I think with a small couple small tweaks, he could be an ace. Um, and, and who knows what he's going to be coming out of an injury. So that's the risk with Fulmer. But I also think where you're going to find him in value kind of matches that a little. So Fulmer's my first pick. Kopech, I, I like. Uh, he just pitched an eight-inning gem for me in MLB The Show. 91 pitches, 12 strikeouts. Yeah. It's um, like the new spring training is MLB The Show. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but I'm in love with his repertoire. And so if it's 80% of what I can deliver in a video game, um, <laughs> then, then ultimately I'm excited about Kopech. I mean, by leaps and bounds, he's going to cost you the most of this group um, because of the prospect hype around him. So depending on your league and depending on who owns them and where their team's at, like he could be untouchable. Uh, yeah. Go ahead, Robbie. Just in quick contrast. So you've got Kopech in MLB 2020, the show um, I've got Brad Mills and MLB 2k 11 on Nintendo. Wii, and he has a wicked wipeout slider. So if you are looking for somebody nine seasons ago, now I think I'm in my fourth or fifth season of this. So really it's like 2015, 16 uh, Brad Mills. And this is a pitch he developed by the way. So this was not one he started the game with um, Brad Mills. Please continue, Ty. Brad Mills, deep sleeper yeah, for, all our, for all our deep we listeners out there. <laughs> so, moving ahead. Uh, I'm, I'm not really in on Jose Suarez. I think that rotation is a little more solidified than, than people think. I'm not sure Suarez is going to be a guy. Um, I'm, I'm intrigued to see if he can be. Um, but between the acquisitions of... Tehran and Bundy, you have Heaney, you have uh, Canning, and you have um, – who am I missing? Who's number five? Sorry for uh, – <clears throat> Angels, I, I lost track. I Canning, Heaney, uh, Tehran, Bundy, uh, Otani, um, and then there's one more that I'm missing that's not Suarez. Oh, that's a regular – yeah, sorry. I'm just looking up Suarez's stats here to but the, 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 I'll find the point. It. Yeah, the point is, is that I'm I'm just not in on Suarez because I don't know, deserve it or not, I don't know that he's going to get the opportunity to deliver on value in 2020. So if you're looking at him as a longer-term asset, it's possible that, I mean, Heaney could be injured on day one. Well, um, that's, that's where I was coming from originally, Ty, was Suarez, just like Sandoval, they're not the 2019 season guys. Um Matt Andrees is, is penciled in. So it's, it's this is roster resource. This Andrees doesn't seem is right. not going to start. He's not going to start. He's a really Yeah, good. I think this is just because of injury. They're saying if season started tomorrow. So it's Heaney, Julio Tehran, Dylan Bundy, Patrick Sandoval, and and uh, Matt Andrees. Um, they don't, they don't yeah. think Otani's going to pitch? Is that what they're telling you? Uh, apparently, or Griffin Canning. But, um, yeah, I, I'm just – maybe it's just somebody that's on a, a minor league deal. Suarez – oh, Felix Pena – uh, and uh, I think it's Jaime Berea. So, so yeah, Berea is a guy, but Sandoval was the guy I was really missing. I, and mean, I misspoke. 
Suarez, sorry, Ty, Suarez is 22. I, I was confusing him with Bria as 23. I knew they had the, the young guys there. But regardless, age doesn't mean he's magically better. It's just, you know, something else to look at, why the numbers may not have been great. Yeah, I'm just not excited about him as a major league pitcher. He might be a guy that ends up in AAA, gets a little more seasoning, and maybe you don't see him at all in in a shortened season if there is one. So, you know, Suarez is a guy that I, I, I'm not going to give up on. I'm just – I'm not there yet. Um, so if you want to play the deep sleeper, go for it. Uh, it's just not a guy I'm buying on. And Pineda, I mean, when Pineda's healthy and on, yeah, he's, he's in the top tier of pitchers. Um, but he cheats. He's not healthy all the time. There's lots to not like about Pineda. So um, I like him as a flip candidate. If you get 10 good starts out of him or even five and get rid of him, you're going to come out ahead on the value train. So uh, I don't mind him from that perspective, but I'm definitely not investing in long-term on Pineda. All right. So that's the starting uh, pitching rotation. So if you are taking over a team and you want to get better right away and stay somewhat competitive, you're looking to get Alex Wood, Brad Keller, Matt Shoemaker, Josh Limbaugh, Michael Fulmer. If you want the prospects, uh, or those young guys, you're looking at Mitch Keller, Justice Sheffield, Brent Honeywell, Justin Dunn, and Michael Kopech. If you are looking for guys, various places in their career, Patrick Sandoval, Kendall Graveman, Rich Hill, Adam Wainwright, Jose Suarez, and as Ty says, rightfully so, Suarez should be out for this year, and I agree with that. He's a long-term play. And finally, you are looking for guys to acquire, to flip, um, some way, shape, or form, Mike Fires, Homer Bailey, Chris Sale, Noah Syndergaard, Domingo Herman, Michael Pineda. So there it is, a very interesting mix of talent. And uh, the relievers will not be as time-consuming because there just aren't as many amazing things to talk about because depending on your league setup, you may not care at all about holds. Um, if you are in a big league, as we are in several you end up with four or five RP spots. It becomes very important to have useful relief pitching and finding it on the wire can be the difference between competitive teams and championship teams. And if you are acquiring a random roster, I would just assume the easiest way to upgrade and the cheapest way is to go through relief pitching. So to start it off, and this is, this was kind of surprising to me until I actually looked into it, but um, if you are taking over a team, I, I'm going to rhyme off all the guys on that team. Is that cool, Ty, if we go through it that way? Because they're all relief pitchers. They're not necessarily okay. like a top. So if you're taking over the team, guys I would go to get to plug and play right now, Corey Knable. He's going to be the closer in Milwaukee. Um, Hader is a better pitcher to go against the tougher part of the lineup, and Knable can be the guy at the end just like he was before. Blake Trinan with the Dodgers. The value is now lower, so take advantage of it. You're in dynasty format, so you can think long-term with him, but also understand that if he's going in in specific spots for the Dodgers for minimum three batters, the odds are he's going to walk more if they don't want him to go against a certain player, but he also could return to that dominant K guy that he was in 18. Shane Green, similar situation to Trinan, uh, left a closing role, has now turned himself into a guy in Atlanta, but he might find himself very quickly carving out a role. <clears throat> Pardon me as the seventh, eighth inning guy. That's going to be a guy that picks up holds for you. Um, I would call him an asset and a potential neutral guy, but far less likely that he's a liability. Uh, Nick birdie in Pittsburgh plug and play this guy. I think he's got the stuff to take over as the closer in Pittsburgh. Keona Kella might be there, but Nick birdie pre injury last year was throwing awesome. He just had a really bad final outing in which he got hurt. And, um, 
he was a, a kind of a glue guy on that Pittsburgh team. Uh, also, I believe it was a rule five. So there you go there. And then never getting a, enough respect. The Rodney Dangerfield of closers, Alex Colomay. I'm going to pick him up. We both like Chicago tie. We think they're a team on the rise. So it makes sense that you may be able to pick him up for a reasonable value. Now, other people might also understand that column A should be walking into at least 15 additional save opportunities. The The trick is you got to convert them. And I think that column A in Tampa was a guy that just kind of got, got it done. And um, in uh, Chicago last year, I think he just kind of got it done. I think he's going to be able to do it again. So if I'm walking in, I'm taking over a team, and I want MLB players, that's, that's my crew. Uh, who are you going to just stay away from on that? And who are you, if you had them, who are you going to trade or who are you going to trade for? That group, uh, I think the best acquisition for value is going to fall between Birdie and Green for me. I think Green is a very underappreciated asset. I think the reality here is he could be a closer. They they seem to like Melanson for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, I just don't get that one, but they, they do. Um, I think Green should be that guy, and, and it might shake out that way this season. But if he doesn't, and you're in a league that values holds in any way, uh, I like I like Green over the rest of the group for what the cost of acquisition is going to be. Trinan's a guy that, without a doubt, has the best stuff of maybe all of the pitchers that we've listed starting or the pitchers we're going to list in this reliever side. He might have the best stuff, uh, whether he can throw it across the plate or not. That is always going to be the thing that that haunts Blake Trinan. So uh, depending on whether somebody had him last year and is ready to get rid of him or not, he's may or may not be off of my list. But Knebel is probably the one guy in this group I'm staying away from, and it's because I just don't like the track record enough yet to, to invest in the closer value. Uh, when Hayter's there and Hayter's going to get the opportunities in big games, I, I just don't know that. I'm going to buy on Knable to be a 30, 40, you know, close type guy, which is where you're going to have to draft him. Um, and, and, and probably if you're in a trade scenario, you're going to have to go and get him. So um, I just think the value is off on Knable. That's, that's where I think it's going to be. But um, so from quickly, Green, guy, yep. sorry, uh, with Knable in a 2014 points league that I'm in, uh, Knable was dropped this off season. Uh, so knowing, knowing he was coming back, he sat on a roster injured all season. And when it came time to trim rosters before the draft, he got cut and I made him my number one waiver priority. And I have tried in, in that same league who I'm, you know, on the fence as to whether in a points format, he's going to be of any use to me, but I've, I've got him, And, uh, I don't know if it's column a or somebody else that I've got. That's a kind of, you know, middle of the road type, kind of like the, these guys, but it's because they can produce for you. So for me, Canable has a cheaper value, I think, than what he should have, which I agree. You're saying, you know, you got to go and acquire the guy. I agree you do. But I think the owner who has him might be thinking if you have something of reasonable value or they have a weak area, um, this might be a good way to get Corey Knable. Yeah, and, and if you're picking him up off on waivers, I mean, yeah, the, by it. all means, go get him. But, I mean, the same applies to the rest of the guys in this group. The one thing I'll say, and this is one of my big reasons I stay away from Knable, his all-star season in 2017, ERA of 1.78. Very good. Very respectable. Nothing to really say bad about it. With the exception, in the 39-save season, his FIP was actually almost a full point higher at 2.53. So even in his best season, there's that upside of his defense kind of carried him a little bit. 
So it, the same trend existed in his 2015 season. And so that's a bit of a pattern for me. And that's, that's where I'm a little concerned on Corey Knebel is because that means he's getting squared up and his defense is, is holding them in scenarios. So um, that's not to say that Milwaukee's defense won't do exactly that. It's just, it, for me, that's a risk I'm going to probably stay away from. Okay. So that's, that's who we're looking at or not looking at, depending on who you are. So if you're looking to walk into a team, take over, upgrade, you want young guns. This is a far more intriguing category to me, uh, or sorry, a far more intriguing team lineup. You're going to want to go out and get yourself some bruised our Gratterall. Uh, we will discuss that in a moment. You're going to want to get yourself some Cole Stewart in Baltimore potential to start, which is fine but we've got him penciled in as a relief pitcher. Uh, Ronnie Garcia, he was the number one rule five pick, went to Detroit, 22-year-old from the Yankees. Uh, He was one of the three guys picked up way back when they got uh, Debbie Garcia as well, I believe. And uh, Ronnie Garcia certainly going to stick around Detroit for this year and then go back, possibly not be a reliever. But again, a guy comes into the pen and performs, maybe he stays there. Pierce Johnson of San Diego, this is, uh, I believe, go-around number two for Johnson, but he's under that prospect realm because he is draftable, I think, in most formats. I don't know if he exceeded rookie limits, but he's now back in MLB, signed a three-year deal with Tampa, or sorry, with San Diego um, with the three-batter minimum, has a really good shot at being a seventh, eighth-inning guy. Uh, there are a few guys in San Diego who could be of some use this year. And then Trevor Gott of San Francisco, there was some talk in the preseason that maybe he could find himself getting some closing opportunities. Uh, that's good enough for me when you are on the younger side or, or sorry, on the, on the cheaper to acquire side to go and look into. So it would be Gratterall, Stewart, Garcia, Johnson, and God, if I'm looking at a um, more long-term approach as to what could develop from that. So Ty, I know you want to talk about bruised so let's go. Let's do yeah, I, I mean, Gratterall is a guy that I, I like a lot more than the pundits have. Um, I, I'm going to be disappointed because I think the trade to L.A. pretty much eliminates the possibility for him to be a starter in his career. And that's unfortunate because I think if he would have ended up in Boston, he would have been able to deliver on the opportunity. And I think it's there. But I think going to the Dodgers, I think they're going to funnel him as a reliever future closer type guy. Uh, I think that's where he ended up settling. And that's unfortunate because I think he could have had a really good fantasy career. So for me, uh, like six months ago, I was all over Bruce Gratterall. I wanted to have him as a starter. I thought he was going to get a shot in Minnesota. I was really excited when he was going to get a shot in Boston. And then all of my hopes and dreams were crushed when, you know, the news got in the way of a trade getting done. So uh, or, a, or a physical or whatever you want to call it. Um, yeah, baseball has a bad um, relationship between the finalization of something and the rumor or the in the works being leaked to the media. So we're seeing it right now with all this um, going on, whether they'll return or not. But this is another example of a, of a trade that was blown up way before it was ever official. And then the Dodgers and Angels had another trade that never happened. Um, you know, the, the silliness of the media getting in the way of baseball. Cause maybe if nobody had said anything, uh, you had alluded to it earlier, Ty, that, that it just seemed like the blowback in Boston was so bad that it's as if uh, they said, well, okay, we can't take Gratterall. We need something else. We need to rework this in some way, shape or form. And then the Dodgers were like, well, with well, the Maeda deals happening, we're, we're doing that. So 
they ended up taking Gratterall. And now, as we, we were talking before, he's so far down on that potential starting depth chart that it seems like a silly idea to do anything but have him in as a bullpen, potent, like not starting the year as a bullpen, but have him in as a bullpen guy long-term now. Well, and, and you know, the trade-off for the Red Sox is they need pitching. Like, yeah. they need it desperately. Like, they ended up with Jeter, right? Uh, Jeter Downs. Yeah, so it was, it, was guy, it was supposed to be Verdugo, and then it was no longer Gratterall, and you get an infielder. Yeah, and, and that's the one thing Boston doesn't really need, right? They have a whole bunch of subpar defenders, and, you know, they don't need any anybody else at the only position on the infield where they have a good player. Um, so it's, it's kind of interesting to, to see that, but, um, yeah, I'm not touching Gratterall at this point, knowing that he's funneling towards the relief side. Cause I think the prospect value is still too high on him. Okay. Um, like that's the big reason I, I, I like him next year as a value pick because I think the, the overhype will come down on him. So I, I got him on my waiting list, uh, if you will, to, to go get next season at some point, Cole Stewart is a guy that. I've always thought had more potential than he was given the opportunity to. I had him in several leagues for a while. He was um, a top top draft pick, right? Like we covered yeah. him in maybe the third, 12 or 13 draft. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's one of those guys we talk about all the time, changing situations and falling into our favorite category. Hello, it's me. Right. Team, team post hype. And Cole Stewart is a guy that could very much find himself there. I'm not really ready to graduate him to that list just yet because right. I want to see how Baltimore uses him. And if, if they use him the same way they use Alex Cobb, I don't like his chances. So, <laughs> um, so I, I'm not ready to go in on either of those guys yet. I, I'm intrigued by Ronnie Garcia. He's a guy that I think I can get on board with. And of this group is probably the guy that I'm going to take the risk for because on the prospect side of things, he's a nobody. Right. Like right. He, he, no one has Ronnie Garcia on the list. And when he was taken in the rule five, we were both like, pardon. Yeah. Why? Right. right. So, you know, obviously there's guys that get paid a lot of money to make these decisions, but you know, that's was one we were not prepared for. Um, so I, I think he's the guy that I'm going to, to risk it all for uh, of this group because Pierce okay. Johnson is a recycled piece and, and yep. certainly wouldn't be the first guy to come out um, as a reliever, as a nice recycled opportunity guy. Um, and Trevor got certainly has the upside. I just, the sample's too small for me. Yeah. Um, and, and, and he's on here, like I said, because there was discussion of where he could possibly slot in and um, oh gosh, who's the manager in San Francisco now that was in Philly. Um, um, Kapler. Thank you. Yeah. And, and Kapler's, certainly the type of guy who you could see giving opportunities where they may or may not be deserved. So I, I like the idea of him picking him up cheap, seeing what you get with him. And if you don't get it, then you got him out of your lineup. <laughs> well, there's rumors he could close in San Francisco this year, right. which is nutty. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he had a nice debut in 18 innings last year. Uh, respectable whip. Uh, the strikeouts at 8.8 per nine is a little concerning for a closer yeah. arm. Uh, but 1.96 on the ERA, uh, it's it's possible, could be a good pick. I'm just, he doesn't fit my profile, so I'm staying away. Ronnie Garcia is the guy that I'm going to risk here. All right, so of the young guys, it's Ronnie Garcia, but you're looking to build that rotation, or sorry, that, that bullpen with a Gratterall, a Cole Stewart, Ronnie Garcia, Pierce Johnson, Trevor Gott. 
you may or may not be up for that one. So of the mixed bag here, this is this is definitely um, this is something else. This is this looks exactly like all of my relief pitching cores where I didn't just say I want the Osuna, um, the Ken Giles closer type guys. This is the oddball that somehow should would and could get it done in Dynasty. Um, Cy Snead out of Houston, we mentioned him on a previous episode. The possibility exists that he could still uh, start, but I think it's far more realistic that he's a relief pitcher. Um, Dennis Santana, who Ty mentioned off the top, LA Dodgers could, again, still start, but seems more likely that he's going to fall into a bullpen role uh, in AAA, could easily move up. Um, everybody's favorite right now I'm about to mention Cody Allen. I know, I know I said it. Um, but give me credit here, people. I have not yet mentioned a single Seattle Mariner. So <laughs> Cody Allen, he's out in Texas seemed like he was somehow, instead of just being like a, you know, random tryout guy, seemed like he was locked in to a seventh, eighth inning role in Texas with room for more, uh, similar situation with Drew Pomerantz, who now has accepted, uh, his fate as a relief pitcher. Him, similar to Pierce Johnson, um, you know, they've got, uh, oh gosh, who, who's the guy that they, the the only, Munez, the prospect, really pitcher that could come up. Yeah, and and then, of course, they actually have a closer. There's three guys, or sorry, four guys, but three guys really who are fighting for seventh, or, yeah, seventh and eighth inning roles. So Pomerantz might not be as effective as you want, but it depends on value. And then finally, Danny Holson, uh, if you're wondering who that is, he had uh, a break-in last year, former second overall pick. We covered him in one of our drafts with Seattle. Uh, injuries, life got in the way. He got himself back together with Chicago last year. He is more than likely, in my eyes, an Andrew Miller type. Now, by that I mean a lefty specialist, not the most dominant relief pitcher in baseball for a couple of seasons. <laughs> but he has the ability to throw it. Now, Chicago was able to get him back this year. I think it was on a non-roster invite because he just didn't get enough time in MLB, but he he's good in AAA, and I can see him folding in with that Chicago lineup. It's just a matter of you need him to be able to get against three batters without intentionally walking somebody if he's able to get the first two outs, and then he comes up against some kind of a righty that could mash him. So um, that will be an interesting fold with relief pitchers too. But, you know, for this mixed bag, it's Cy Snead, uh, Dennis Santana, Cody Allen, Drew Palmer, and Stanley Holson. Ty, your thoughts, feelings, emotions on these guys? Well, I'm, I'm liking Danny Holson for the value pick here because I think you're <laughs> going to be free. able to – Yeah, I think you're going to be able to get him for nothing. And, I mean, in order to pitch in the Chicago bullpen, you just need to have a heartbeat. So I, I think there's a real opportunity for him to not only carve out a role but to move himself into that back end slowly. Because I do think, like, you're talking about a guy that was a top five pick, right? Like, this was not a, what did he go, two to Seattle or three? I can't remember. Um, So, you know, this is a guy that has the stuff. And, you know, he's he's had a lot of time to think. So, it's certainly not going to be something mentally he's not prepared for. But I like him just because you're going to get him the cheapest. Um, Sneed's a guy that uh, I, I know they're penciling him in as, like, a high leverage guy. I just don't like it. Like when you go to, um, you know, the, the video, like it's, it's just one of those repertoires that I'm just not in love with. Now, listen, like this is a guy that obviously is getting put on the radar, 
but he and, he, and unfortunately he falls into that 12 to six love that I like to talk about. Uh, love the 12 to six hook and the guys that can throw it well. Um, he has the fastball to go with it. I like him as like more of like a lincecum like type stuff. And I, and I just, I want to see the peripheral stuff develop before I'm willing to go in on Snead. Cause I, I think he's going to be that guy. If he can unlock that third and fourth pitch kind of, uh, like Frankie Montes, like I think that's where he becomes extremely valuable. The fastball and the hook are great. Does he have the changeup or the splitter or something else to go with those pitches? And that's going to be the deal breaker there. But the guy that I'm not ready to give up on here is Cody Allen. Like he had too much success for too long. Thank you. <laughs> and I, I just think a change of scenery that's not LA is going to be good for him. Um, I, I like a good, I like him as a good bounce back candidate. And and is he going to be the dominant closer that he was? Maybe not. But maybe a Greg Holland in Arizona last year might be a good profile for him um, as a guy that like certainly could come out of the gates and surprise people. So for me, Holton for the cheap. Sneed's probably the long term guy here. Um, Allen's the guy um, that I, I'm probably going to look for first, and then. Depending on where the value is there, uh, I'll stay away from him. But I know you like Dennis Santana, so maybe talk on him a little bit as to where you see him here. Yeah, so really, coming off the 2017 season, I thought Dennis Santana was going to fit into the Dodgers rotation at some point in 18 and then just like solidify himself. And uh, Walker Buehler would have been traded uh, because they didn't need him. And things would have been good in my life. Well, it didn't happen. And then Dennis Santana, you know, has had injuries and performance and everything has gone wrong where Santana has not been able to do his job, but I, I am not the only one. And, and I, again, I think I mentioned on one of the previous pods that somebody had listed like the 2023 Dodgers potential team and they had Santana listed as a closer, which is kind of where I have seen his best stuff be. Um, and that's what I'm hoping can come of this is that Santana moves himself to the bullpen or sorry that the Dodgers move him to the bullpen and he just, you know, goes to two pitches and really becomes electric. So it's more of a hunch on him, but at the same time, he's not going to cost you much. Nobody on this list is going to cost you much. And that's if they cost you anything at all, they could all be on waiver wires in 20 team leagues. Um, Pomerantz would be the one exception to that, but that has more to do with the fact that um, if, if you're in a save hold league, he's got, immediate um prevalence to getting holds for you but he also did not have a great 2019 it's just that he ended it strong and now it looks as though he's going to be good so the value and the the amount you invest in him should be limited but just think about what you could get from an upside on him so definitely on this list they're outside of cody allen nobody's a potential closer right away for you and as you had said ty think of cody allen as a reclamation project that could just be okay for a season or two and and that's fine in dynasty but i'm not looking at any of these guys thinking i'm going to invest heavy and i'm going to wait and see um none of these guys are heavy investments yeah i agree and and i'm intrigued by santana because like the slider is a nice pitch um and and Definitely, I like the idea of him as a reliever more than as a starter because I think just based on the mechanics, going to be tough for him to deliver that consistently over time. Um, so I definitely like him as a reliever, though. I think he could be quite good. So be interesting to see where he develops. But, yeah, I agree. So, again, for me, Holton, Sneed, Allen, 
Um, Holson and Allen are my guys um, for value. Um, and then Snead is a long-term play. Excellent. So guys to pick up to trade. So these will be um, various abilities. We're going to, we'll just get right into it. So Seth Lugo with the Mets, uh, always a guy who just seems to have good periods of time in it within a season. And if you're a Roto player and depending on your depth at relief pitching, Lugo's a guy to just have on your team. He's not hurting you. Uh, perfectly good middle of the road type relief pitcher. Will Harris of now of Washington. Uh, we will discuss him when, when Ty has his say, and we can go on that one. Uh, Michael Lorenzen of Cincinnati, also known as a hitting option. So depending on your league setup, I mean, it's not really a thing, but if you wanted to make it one, I guess you could. Uh, Giovanni Gallegos of St. Louis, who has for some reason been a, anointed a closer. So if you got him, I certainly would trade him. And if you can get him, I certainly would get him to trade him. And then John Gant, somebody that we t- also have St. Louis, somebody we talked about last year thinking he should have been getting looks in the rotation, but at the same time, he's a relief pitcher. We, we like his stuff collectively. So this is the get him and trade him. Um, Ty, do you have an order that you like him or just, you know, what, what do you say about these guys? Yeah, if I work backwards, I, I think that's easier for me. Uh, Lorenzen is, is at the bottom of my list. I just I think as that Cincinnati team gets better, I think he's going to get less big innings. And so you're not going to likely see as many holds and saves as maybe he once had, and he very, he very few saves, so um, nothing to get excited about. So that's, that's the reason I'm going to stay away from him. Um, Seth Lugo is, is one of those just guys you can kind of – count on for a respectable ERA with some strikeout numbers, definitely underappreciated without a doubt. Um, a guy that people forget about could find himself pushing slowly to the back end of that bullpen um, with some injuries and other things could have a really important role. Um, Galagos is the next guy or Galagos or whatever you want to call him um, is the guy that is destined to be replaced by Jordan Hicks whenever he's healthy. So that's the biggest reason there, but he should get all the hold opportunities in the eighth pitch, some big innings has the strikeout upside. So I like him uh, there. Uh, John Gant's a guy that I've just loved for a long time. And I think with the three batter minimum, I think guys like John Gant are going to have huge value because I've said it for a while, Rob, is that I'm waiting for a team to get smart and start piggybacking starters. And John Gant is the perfect guy to do that with because he is a starter. If he wasn't in St. Louis, he'd be starting. And so I like him a lot under the new rules. So I think he has huge upside because not because he's going to be more dominant than any of these guys, but I think he's going to pitch more innings throughout the season than the average reliever has over the last couple of years. So in a shortened season, especially if you're in a points league, got to love yourself some John Gant. And then ultimately the last guy is, is Will Harris. And this is a guy that I think I, I just could not figure out why he didn't get more attention in the off season uh, has done nothing, but just be a very reliable reliever. And for whatever reason, um, you know, he went to the defending champs, but you know, for whatever reason did not get a ton of attention and I don't really know why. Um, so I like him a lot. I like the park in, Washington for him. I mean, you're looking at a guy here that has uh, really good career numbers, sub three ERA over his career, 
um, a reasonable strikeout, just under 10 per nine, um, a, a whip of 1.07 in his career. Like, come on, like, let's, let's get on the Will Harris train because for whatever reason in free agency, nobody else was. Yeah. And I, I don't know if it's just because he only had four saves last year or whatever it was, but I mean, like, uh, Gallegos, Gallegos, whatever in St. Louis had one. You know, he pitched yeah. 74 innings, had lots of Ks. That's that's great. And his whip was low. I, I am not saying that's a bad thing. I think that's fine. What I'm saying is that you looking at a, a different type of value with each guy, like Michael Lorenzen's ERA was under three. He pitched a lot last year. Uh, John Gant, similar situation. Seth Lugo, you know, the middle of the road type in this. None of these guys are like the guy, but Will Harris easily could be. I don't think Lorenzen could be, but I think he could still, uh, a little different than Utah, I think he could still kick around for a few years, kind of doing what he's been doing. Um, you know, Galigos is, was he flashing the pan? Is that what he's going to do? You know, it's hard to strike out that many guys. People figure out what you're going to do. They get to be more patient. Um, I, I think this is a really interesting group, but again, I'm not sold on any of the guys. That's why I would acquire them with a mind or an eye to look to trade them in the future. And if they start to get closes, that's when you can either get more value for them or just keep them for yourself. Yeah. And at this moment in time, Seth Lugo, although I agree, he could be getting later inning roles. Um, he's not supposed to be the closer. It would be a failure in, in uh, Metzville if you know Diaz isn't able to do it and Familia is not able to do it and it somehow ends up with Lugo. But hey, baseball happens, right? Well, I agree. And that's what I'm saying is that, you know, he's with some luck, he could end up with a bigger role. But again, just very underappreciated uh, because, you know, he's been there and been consistent the last couple of years. But uh, it just is what it is. But the one thing I want to say in this group, because John Gant's there to highlight it, do not undervalue innings pitched this season out of your bullpen, especially in a shortened season. It's a great way to find an advantage. So do not miss on that. Yeah, there, there's certainly something to be said for the ability to put up time. And his 66 and a third innings last year, um, depending on what they're going to do and how efficient they are at getting guys out, they're going to be able to up those inning totals. So that that is a very interesting look at what you can do if you walk into a new dynasty team. Four different avenues you go. When the episodes air, you can check us out at Dinger's Pod. Uh, we will post up each team individually uh, as I have them written here and you are more than welcome to absolutely shred it for several reasons. Uh, hit me up at Robbie baseball one for that conversation. If you would like to be ignored for dumb comments, but have some intelligent ones hit tie up at tourney boss and he will engage you in a cordial manner. And uh, do yeah. it! just do it. <laughs> that sounds like me talking to my son. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you said you had to go pee? Okay, go. And then, <laughs> yeah, it's always fun. Just like asking him to change out of his PJs in the morning and get dressed. Ugh. You Ugh. know what? I, I pulled up the Mets bullpen just as we t finish off here. Yep. Like, that is a really good bullpen. Uh, it could be the, the best in baseball. So, uh, oh. yeah, very, it, it could be. I'm not saying it's going to be, I'm saying it could be. I there, think anything that gets anointed is not, like not by just one person, but if we can get six people to be in on this, that means they're going to be brutal. Yeah. But I mean, <laughs> listen, listen to this though. Like if you go for seven, you've got Diaz, Lugo, Batances, Familia, Justin Wilson, Brad Brock, um, Zellman. Uh, that's a pretty good core. Yeah. You've got Jason Shreve there who has his value as the lefty. Like that's a good bullpen. If, 
Brad Brock can be what he was in Baltimore. I I think, yeah, like I think you're right. There's a lot of depth. And then obviously Batances needs to be healthy. Wow. It comes down, it, it comes down to the lefties for me, right? Like Justin Wilson right. is the guy that could be very, very good. He's also been very bad in moments. Uh, and Jason Shreve is a good, good guy when utilized properly, but could also be misused and be garbage. So, you know, really comes down to the way they use the lefties in that bullpen. So it'll be interesting, but overall it could be very good. And the three batter minimum is only just now being mentioned in a few different areas. It's something that we've been talking about since the rule was official in the off season, because as dynasty players, we know that changes the landscape. Anything like this, um, your relief pitchers are for me where you can collect the most value over the rest of the players in your league while investing the least. Um, you look at those guys, you look at guys that don't just get innings, but get effective innings that do good things. And now that we know there's going to be at least three batters they have to face. I'm a little concerned with guys who have control issues that might walk players uh, or have intentional walks just to like get that third batter out of the way. And, and then that's their stat, you know, unless they're yeah. going dis- to discount the intentional walk or you get a guy to like two and O and then you're like, ah, eh, screw it. We don't want to give up the single or something like that put the guy on base, put the double play in play. There's a lot of interesting factors, but we've been discussing that. And we account for that when we're putting these lists together. And I think it's a good thing when you take over a team to learn your league landscape. It certainly is difficult to do at this point in time, anybody that takes over a team. And the reason that we got this idea was that there are postings now for guys who are like, you know what? We haven't had sports. I haven't missed it. So I'm going to drop out of this league. You know, I've already paid my 50 bucks, my hundred bucks, whatever it is, but I'm just going to walk away. I don't care. So, you know, take my 50 bucks. I'm not going to spend the time on it because right now when I'm not seeing baseball, I'm not missing it. So for fantasy purposes, I think there might be a whole lot of teams, if not after a shortened season, if we don't get baseball till 2021, I think there's going to be a ton of dynasty turnover in leagues and the values on the players aren't going to change, but you need to put yourself in a position to, take a roster and turn it into a potential contender or to just turn it around if it's hot garbage. So totally agree. So that's a great spot to hang them up for the night, Robbie. So it's been again, another episode with Tyler and Rob on dingers. This is dingers way more than fantasy baseball. We keep it real when we talk and knock it straight out the park. <laughs> Let's see the stats. What's the average draft position? What kind of plays you making? Check the wins above replacement. Check the lineups and the points. This I gotta see. What's your path to victory? Are they aiming for a dynasty? Get points going head to head. Please don't do me no favors. We're always watching waivers. Ain't no minor league. This is major. Yeah. Dingers. Let's go.